Ever since the first tick-tock of time You brought order to a world undefined Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Welcome to the Genesis West Podcast. Our teaching team is made up of men and women who love asking probing questions of each week's scripture portion, to which our community responds with curiosity, courage, and a desire to expand in faith, hope, and love. We follow the Revised Common Lectionary, and we follow the church calendar, because they anchor us in something which can hold us, no matter what life throws our way. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. Cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We exist to join God's work of cultivating new beginnings in all of us, everywhere. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. We hope you enjoy this week's teaching. Good morning, everybody. Happy fourth Sunday of Advent. What? Like, is anyone else just completely shook that Christmas is less than a week away? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's been such a weird year and Advent, and I don't know about you, but like, I've hardly felt any of the Christmassy cheer or the Adventy angst that I usually feel this time of year. And that's been really hard. So, before we step into Mary's world this morning, We're just gonna do a quick feelings check-in. So take a deep breath in and breathe out. And here's my question. What are you carrying with you today? Be it literal, metaphorical, what is your body telling you? What emotions are flooding your heart? So as you think about it, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna count to three. And then we're all just going to shout out at once what we're feeling in our body, heart, mind, soul, etc. Okay? So, one, two, three. Yes! So many feelings! Thank you! (laughs) Um, This is the smorgasbord of feelings of being a human being. And it's a space where every emotion and experience Longing, ache is welcome and accepted. So let's breathe in again and breathe out. We're going to be doing a lot of breathing today. Spoiler alert, you'll see why. So thank you, God, for this gift of breath. Oh, hi, Rajan. <laughs> I feel like, okay. Time out. I feel like I could be Michael Scott in Scranton City and be like, they call it Scranton, what? The electric city. With Sorry. <laughs> With the gamma right there. Okay. Um, okay. Today we are reading just a snippet of a larger sacred narrative story, one that has deep theological and historical implications, and one that has a beginning a middle, an end, conflict, characters, setting, irony, foreshadow, juxtaposition, insert whatever fancy English teacher word you want to. And it's in there. It's beautiful and it's weird and it's amazing. And anytime I read a narrative story in the Bible, narrative is different than like the law or poems. It's narrative, it's telling a story, what we're all used to. Um, I like to ask the question, 
why, right? Why was this story written down? So we are gonna wonder together with an all play. So we think about the story, the passage that Brian read, the first half Steve preached on last week, it was really awesome. And today we're focusing more on the dialogue between the characters, but why was this story about Mary and Elizabeth written down? And there are no right or wrong answers, just answers. Yes, important to get the female perspective because you know what? This is the only place where Mary gets to respond. Well, like in Luke's gospel, Mary gets to have a say because like in Matthew, it just focuses on Joseph, which is good, but Mary's just a passive two-dimensional character. And then Mark doesn't have a Christmas Advent narrative. And then John has some weird poem about the word becoming flesh. <laughs> so like if we didn't have Luke's gospel, we wouldn't get to know what was going on inside Mary. And that's huge. Like, thank you for four different gospels. All right, what else? Why was this story written down? Yeah, it humanizes the experience. Thanks, Kristen. Because like, I don't know, it's so easy to think of these as like folklore and like, I don't know, fancy stories of superheroes. But it's like, oh yeah, Mary was a girl and Elizabeth was a woman and pregnancy is real and weird and complicated. And it's cool to see the, the um, dialogue between them. Um, so Bob Timperley says to never forget. Yeah, to never forget. And the reason why we can read it today is because someone wrote it down. And that's really cool. Hmm? To learn from it, Nate. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter your gender, you can still learn from pregnant women. Yay. <laughs> um, all right, so I also think it's really cool because it reminds us of the reason for the season, which is that Jesus is gonna tear down the rich and the haughty. And like, that's pretty cool. So the story is important. And now kids, let me see those kids out there. Raise your hand if you're a kid. And on Zoom, if you're a kid on Zoom, raise your hand. We're going to need your help with this part of the sermon. Because we are going to use our imaginations. Ooh. So we're going to imagine together, all of us, kids and grown-ups, everywhere in between. We're going to imagine that the pages where the words of our story are printed out, written down, put on a screen, whatever, is a giant swimming pool. What? Can you picture in your brain what a swimming pool looks like? Yeah, okay. So can you put your toe in the water of the swimming pool? Does the water feel warm or cold or just right? Medium, Junia says. Okay, and then you can wave and say hi to all of your friends who are at the swimming pool with you. Oh, wait, what's that? Is that a diving board? What? So cool. Has anyone ever jumped off a diving board? Whoa, amazing. Do you think maybe we should try jumping off the diving board into our pool story? 
That could be fun. But wait, did you put on sunscreen? Yeah? Is there a grown-up around to make sure we stay safe? Yeah. No! <laughs> I think we have plenty of grown-ups in this room. And has it been 30 minutes since you ate breakfast or snack? We can pretend that it is, because I just had an apple like 10 minutes ago. Um, okay, but the very last thing we need to do before we jump off the diving board and into our pool story is we need to stretch our imagination and empathy muscles. So stand up, everyone. If you are able and willing, stand up and just stretch. We're stretching our imagination and empathy muscles. Sometimes we don't use them all that often, and it's good to use them when we talk about scripture. Okay. I feel ready to dive into our story. Do you? Yep. Okay, so... Oh, I did not say sit back down. You can't jump into a pool sitting down. Actually, you kind of can. You just like fall over the edge. Okay, so climb up the ladder. We're climbing up the ladder. And now walk to the edge of the diving board. Put your toes over the edge and wiggle them around. Now we're going to take a deep breath in. Bend our knees. And jump. Dive. Okay, you can sit down now. Thank you. <laughs> we did it. We dove into our story and, whoa, wait a second. What's happening? I'm Mary. You're Mary. You're Mary. You're Mary. You're Mary. You're Mary. We're all Mary? We're using our imagination right now. That's what's happening. I think it's time that we turn on the make-believe switch in our brains and the empathy switch in our hearts. And imagine for a bit what this life-changing moment was like for Mary. So shake your body loose and get comfortable. When I use my imagination, I like to close my eyes. But you can do whatever helps you imagine. You can keep your eyes open. You can fidget with a poppet. You can draw a picture, do whatever. So here comes another deep breath in. Take a look in the mirror. You're Mary, a 14-year-old Jewish girl. You're wearing a dress that feels scratchy. You maybe have fabric covering your hair. Look at your hands. They're covered in blisters, calluses, and dirt. Now breathe in, notice how your shoulders rise and fall. Then look at yourself in the mirror and say, hi, Mary. And our story begins. Mary, remember how a few days ago, an angel showed up and told you you were pregnant? Even though all human logic and experience tells you that that's impossible? Well, now your family's furious. Maybe they even kicked you out of the house. And the man who was going to marry you and make sure you have food to eat and a home to live in is embarrassed, confused, and thinking about changing his mind. For some reason, you feel drawn to your distant relative Elizabeth's house. Maybe because you heard rumors she was finally pregnant after decades of trying to conceive. 
Maybe she'd know what to do with this confusing miracle. So you travel to her house on foot by yourself because nobody wants to be seen with you. You're exhausted, nauseous, terrified, alone. And you're still only 14. When Elizabeth's home is finally in view, you start running. Your feet hurt, you're tired, tears are streaming down your cheeks, but all you can think to do is run. You run down the path past her husband who looks confused and is frantically waving at you. He can't speak to catch your attention and you can't see him because all you can see is the door getting closer and closer and closer. You finally reach the door and you open it and collapse into the doorway. A startled Elizabeth turns around, hands clasping her round belly with the largest, warmest, most welcoming smile on her face. Mary, I can't believe it. God chose you. What a blessing this is for you. How do you feel in this moment? How do you respond to Elizabeth? We can make this an all play, so you can share your answers out loud or in the chat, but how do you, as you imagine and empathize with Mary, how do you respond to Elizabeth's words? Relief, yeah. Overwhelmed? <laughs> yes, Kristen said, which I'm pretty sure she would burst into tears with that greeting. Bob Timperley on Zoom, with relief that I'm not broken. Oh, woof, just the power of so much confusion and doubt and being seen and affirmed. That's powerful. I know when I place myself in the story and imagine being Mary, my response is just riddled with expletives. Sorry, kids. But my response just is not nearly as gracious as Mary's response is here. And let's just name that the version of the story we read today was collected by a man named Luke written down by a man named Theophilus, and then copied by hand for centuries by scribes, who were most likely men, and then translated from the biblical Greek into our own English language by committees made up of mostly men. And this is not a knock against my brothers, because you are made in the image of God just as we sisters. But it makes me wonder, Maybe Mary's for real life answer wasn't so gentle or gracious or obedient. Maybe she did throw in a couple swears. Who knows? It's fun to imagine though. So in your liturgy or in your Bible, or maybe uh, it might be too tricky to throw it on the screen, but just take a quick look back through Mary's response. This is what's known as the Magnificat the canticle of Mary, Mary's song. 
And then just shout out whatever words or phrases catch your attention. And if you don't have the text with you, you can just shout out like impressions that you have from the text. Oh, thanks, Steve. In the chat, Steve said, this imaginative approach is so enriching to me. <laughs> yes, Cassandra. She goes, all generations will call me blessed. I would not be thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> Same. <laughs> what else? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Will says her response is so rousing, like, it bursts forth in gushes. Kind of reminds me of like Les Mis. Do you hear the people sing, sing in the, okay. <laughs> this is how my brain works. It just jumps around. Um, anything else? It's okay if not. For me, kind of what stood out was kind of the, the comparisons and the juxtapositions in here that we have. She talks about lowliness and blessed, fear and strength, brought down, lifted up, filled, emptied, and then that remembrance and forever peace. So there's this funny meme that's floating around on the interwebs these days that many of you I know have already seen, but I'm gonna show it anyways, because one, it's funny, and two, it's prophetic. So can we get that? Here's the meme. Um, this is a character from the hit NBC workplace comedy, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, and he's like, Mary, watching churches everywhere. Quote, the Magnificat. Hey, that's us today. Oh, wait, what's that? Why is no one casting down the mighty? I specifically requested it. <laughs> oh, thanks. So, right, so why is no one casting down the mighty? Like, we love the first part of the Magnificat, right? There's so many songs. Oh, my soul magnifies the Lord. I'm just a gentle woman rejoicing in God, my Savior. Oh, and by the way, everyone who is whispering about me behind my back or throwing rocks at me on the road, do it while you can, because pretty soon, everyone forever is going to call me blessed. That's right. The same God who saw Hagar and heard the cries of my dear, sweet Elizabeth is the same God who's growing inside my uterus. And while we're at it, look out, all of you who are hoarding wealth, puffing your chest with pride, and spending pocket change on recreational trips to space, because all the poor, queer, marginalized, vulnerable folks you've been stepping on, taking advantage of, denying healthcare and livable wages to, well, we're about to get fed. That is the Magnificat. It's like Michael Scott says, how the turntables have turned. <laughs> this song of Mary, this sermon, is such a sacred gift. With her bold proclamation, Mary joins the chorus of Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, and all the strong, courageous women of faith who came before her, singing the anthems of liberation, hope, justice, and love. 
And with her own joy, hope, and relief, Mary celebrates because through her body, God is giving birth to an entirely new world. A world in which she's a hero, not an outcast. And the poor are fed, not preyed upon. And this is the fiery, spicy, good news of Christmas. The good news that anticipates the restoration of all things. For the last three weeks, we've been journeying through this story, being led by this young girl into new beginnings of our own, both as a community and in our own spaces. We've seen Mary question and wrestle with God. We've seen her give consent to use her body to give birth to a new world. And as we see so beautifully and tragically in the Magnificat, we see Mary grieve the loss of relationships, of her reputation, all because she said yes to this new beginning. Because that's kind of the paradox of new beginnings, right? When we step into them, we can anticipate the resurrection and the restoration of all things just as God promised, yay! And when we step into new beginnings, we often experience grief and loss, loss of relationships, friendships, loss of reputation, credentials, jobs, loss of what's comfortable and familiar. And that's really hard. And if you are in that space right now, I see you. And God sees you and God hears you. And it sucks and it hurts all over. And you are not alone. So what's the first thing you have to do before you sing? Breathe. There it is. It's all about breathing today. Take a deep breath in, right? Because it's your breath that sustains you while you're singing. Without breath, maybe Mary's song would have just sounded like... <laughs> Thanks for the laughs. <laughs> Um, so there's this moment before you sing your first note as you expand your diaphragm and inhale as much air as you can. There's this moment of exhilaration and anticipation. Because especially as you're first learning to sing or play an instrument that involves wind. Sorry, not really violin, but you get it, Kristen. Um, you don't always know what's going to come out of your mouth. Like, well... <laughs> Will I be in tune? Uh, will my voice crack? Will I start too early or too late? Yet as Bob Ross describes it, Junia, listen up. It's a bravery test. <laughs> I told Junia to listen for when I said that. Bravery test. You can be brave and sing anyways and earn a happy little bravery badge just for trying. Or you can silence your voice and walk away. But here's the thing. After a while, your body, your brain, your heart, your soul begins to remember what stepping into that first note feels like. And you collect wisdom, experience, and confidence along the way. 
through both your failures and your successes. Until one day, the excitement of changing the world through song begins to outweigh the fear and self-doubt. You know, that kind of sounds like an apt metaphor for new beginnings. So when new beginnings first start happening, you're like, whoa, hang on a second, this is terrifying. The spotlight is hot and bright, your knees are knocking, your breath is shallow, and all of a sudden you forgot all the words to your song. And then you trip over a chord, you fall off the stage, and everybody laughs. But you try, and you learn, and Bob Ross gives you a bravery badge. You see, the more we embrace and welcome new beginnings and all the big feelings and questions that come with them, the more we become familiar with the rhythms and waves of recreation, restoration, and new life. Our bodies begin to remember what safe spaces feel like. Our hearts begin to remember what unconditional love and acceptance feels like. Our brains begin to remember what equilibrium feels like. And our souls begin to remember what life and vitality feels like. And suddenly, the hope of stepping into a world shaped more in the form and likeness of God begins to outweigh the fear, doubt, and dread of new beginnings. And this is the hope that Mary clung to in her song, that whatever was happening in her body was going to make the world right, and God was going to be with her. Is this perhaps the hope we can cling to in our own new beginnings? There is a quote that I just love by Anais Nin, and it's this. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And the day came when the risk to remain tight in the bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that has been my hope and my guide and my motivation in my own new beginning, which if you come to church on January 9th, New Beginning Sunday, you'll get to find out what that is. Foreshadow. Um, yeah. So before we move into the prayers of confession, may we all take a deep breath in and breathe out. This is the breath of God expanding inside all of us. This is the breath that sustains our songs. And this is the breath that connects us to each other and empowers us to face the bravery tests of our new beginnings. Thank you for listening to the Genesis West podcast. If, if you, you find, find yourself, yourself nearby, nearby on Sunday, we'd love for you to join us for worship. We meet at Elam Church Center in Robbinsdale, Minnesota. If you, if have, you have any questions or would like to connect with us, please visit us at www.genesiscov.org.